Today's reading is taken from Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 to 5 and 14 to 30, which is page 188 in the Church Bible. 188. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout the Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in this land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And, Josh and Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. 
It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to, the, to their own inheritance. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance, at Tiamnath Sirah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Giash. This is the word of the Lord. There's 23 and 24. That would be great as we go through it. Um, we'll, go, we'll refer to chapters 23 and 24. So uh, do keep your Bibles open, but let's pray that God will speak to us through these uh, passages. Lord, we thank you that you are God who is at work. Um, we thank you that it is your word that sustains uh, the whole wo- world, that it is your word that sustains us. And now we pray that you will feed us with your word, that you will shape our, not just our minds, but our hearts and our will uh, towards, uh, toward, uh, to, be, to be more like your son Jesus, that so we might live in response to all that you've done uh, to please you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never gone scuba diving, it's worth exploring. It's a sport that opens up 70% of Earth, 70% of Earth is covered in the underwater. I find memories of swimming uh, amongst schools of fish and uh, little tiny shrimps um, and uh, stingrays in the Caribbean when I was in Honduras. And of course, it comes with its dangers as well. Among its many dangers, one of the biggest dangers is the danger of undercurrents. They're very strong, and one can get swept away very far without realizing how far you've gone because everything else under the water is moving with you and around you. And with just few strokes, you can, fall, you can swim really far, and you can only realize, you only realize how far you've gone if you come up to the water and see the boat um, where you, you were dropped off. So you have to watch out for the drift. And that's true of the Christian life as well. Watch out the drift. Today we cover the last chapters, 23 and 24 of Joshua. And they've entered the promised land. The tribes have settled there and started to live there in that land. And Joshua, according to 23 verse 1, is very old. And you've just heard that he dies at the age of 110. In 23, he speaks to the elders and leaders and judges and officials, the leaders of Israel. And the message is clear. If you have uh, Bibles open, 23, verse 6, Be strong and be careful to obey all that is written in the, law, book of the uh, book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. The message is don't move away from where you are. You have started to serve God and don't move left or to the right. Serve God. Stay where you are. In chapter 24, where today's sermons focuses. It's not just to the leaders of Israel. He summons the entire nation of Israel. And with the entire nation before him, he reiterates the message. The message is the same. Famously, we read in chapter 24, verse 14, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness, with sincerity of heart, with everything that you are. Serve this God and none other is the message. But of course... 
when the culture around us is the current in which we live, when the culture around us is constantly trying to sweep you away and that's where you are, how are we, how are we able to stay faithful to God? How are, we, how are we able to stay focused on who God is? Well, as the Bible often does in this place and many other places, the first thing that we ought to do is to count our blessings, count God's grace, to account who we are, to recall who we are in light of God's grace. And that's what God does. That's how chapter 24 starts, doesn't it? God himself tells Israel what he has done for them. He says, look, I've called Terah out of out idol worship, Terah, father of Abraham. I, 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 I gave Abraham miraculously his son and many descendants. I have done this. He recalls the story of Exodus next, the great deliverance of how God stunned the gods of Pharaoh and gods of Egyptians and how he delivered these group of slaves out of Egypt and made them into a nation. Look what I have done. He then recalls a story in the book of Numbers of Balaam's inability to curse. Even as Balaam was hired to curse Israelites, God made him bless the Israelites. He then recalls a story of this book, Joshua, in verses 11 to 13, the crossing of the Jordan River, the conquest of, uh, uh, of Israel, the land there. And it's all in the first-person perspective. Did you notice that? Right? It's God speaking. He says, I took your father Abraham. I gave Isaac. I assigned the hill country. I sent Moses and Aaron. I brought you out. I have done all of these. You are who you are. You are the nation that you are because of what I have done. If they're going to continue to worship Yahweh God in that land for generations to come, they must recall again and again of who they are in light of God's grace. And so must we. Last Wednesday was the beginning of Lent, season of Lent. In traditional service, the palm branches are burnt. The ashes are applied on the forehead with these words, from dust you came and dust you will return. This isn't just a reminder of our mortality, which is, is that as well. It's a reminder that we're a people whose existence is dependent on God. God is the one who created us, and God is the one who will call us home. Our existence, very existence is a gift that comes from God himself. We must remember that we are because of God. And each of us has a story of God's grace to tell too, doesn't, uh, don't we? Oh, uh, the story of God's grace, how God has brought us friends and to people, difficult events, joyful events, to this city and that so that he could teach us, that he could make us and mold us to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. Each of us has a story of Jesus, how he sent Christ for me, how he died for me, how he rose again to give me the hope of the resurrection and the, of the new world that is coming. We have, we have stories of God's grace in our lives. We as a community do this at the AGM. Why write reports? Well, partly it's an exercise in recollection of God, what God has done, to see how God has been gracious, not at just as individuals, but what God is doing in this community. You'll read of dinners and hikes and encouragements, testimonies, people becoming Christians and being baptized, um, 
People dancing, exercising their spiritual gifts, God's faithful provision for our church. These little things, unless we take the time to, rec- uh, to, to recollect, we might forget. So we do. We to celebrate what God has done for us in this community, that we are who we are because of what God has done for us. Salt has yesterday spent some time uh, learning how to give testimonies. Um, and little things, uh, we, we said, the first thing is to give testimonies about little things that God has done, the little things that God is teaching you to go deeper into that. Um, and then uh, we, we, uh, uh, told, uh, we learned how to tell our story. And I had a great time just thinking about that, thinking about what did God teach me through all these different experiences? What can I, how can I praise God for? And when I did that, I was encouraged. And I hope today you will take the time out to think about what God has done. Look back, look back at this past year and look, at, look back at all the things that God has given you, God has taught you, little and big blessings Think and recall about what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, what the cross and the resurrection means for each one of us. Because if we don't do that, it's just a chore. Choosing God is just a, a thing that we, ha- we are forced into. But if we recollect, recollect what God has done for us, if we remember that we, that, that we are who we are because of what God has done for us, well, our response is a joyful response. It's a response to what God has done. It's a joyful offering of ourselves in response to what God has done. So it's only after, after Joshua, after God recollects all uh, that he has done for them, after recollection of God's grace and mercy, Joshua issues the famous call in verse 14 and 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Did you notice that not serving anything is not an option given to us? Joshua assumes that if you're not serving this God, Yahweh God, you will serve another. God of beyond the Euphrates, God in Egypt, God amongst uh, the, the gods of the land that they're living in now. And that's not just true of the ancient Israelites or the people who lived back then. That's also true of us. If we don't serve Yahweh God, if we don't serve to uh, choose to serve Jesus Christ, we will serve another. You might not think that because we don't have idols in our in our houses, but our hearts are idol factories. It creates idols for us. The good things that God has given us, we make that the ultimate thing. We say that this is what I'm living for. We base our identity and joy and trust on these things, these good things often that God has given us. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. And choosing God is not like dating. It's not polygamous. It is like being married. Remember the vow. Will you... Love her, comfort her, honor and protect her, forsaking all others. Be faithful to her as long as you both shall live. 
And that's what Joshua's asking us to do with God, to be married to him, to forsake all other gods and have him as our God, to be faithful to him with sincerity of our hearts, all of our, all of our hearts, all, of, all that we are, to be faithful to him. And Israel responds positively three times, and Joshua then cuts a covenant in verse 25. They do it in Shechem. It's the very place where God first appeared to Abraham. Remember in Genesis chapter 12, God promised him, look, I will give you this land. I will give you these descendants. And when all of that promises are fulfilled, now that they're accomplished, now that they're living in the land that God had promised, they respond by recommitting themselves exclusively to worship God, this God. Of course, complete commitment is not just something that the Old Testament demands. Our Lord Jesus Christ demands that from us as well. Remember the call that he issued to each one of us. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We're to deny even ourselves in following Jesus Christ. Most of us here today have made that decision to follow Christ to turn from our sins, to turn from our idols, and to follow Jesus. And we have affirmed our decision in our own covenant ceremony, which is our baptism, in front of witnesses, in front of God himself. But if our decision to turn to God once and for all was a genuine decision, then we have to make that decision every day. Because it's the kind of decision that demands your life and your all, as the famous hymn says. It's a decision that says, that asks you to serve God today and tomorrow. Friends, have you chosen to serve Christ? Is that who you are serving today? And when you return back to your workplaces and your homes and to your networks of people, is that who you will serve tomorrow? You know who you're serving by how often we make our decisions. Whatever controls you, whatever is the biggest factor there is how we make, uh, what controls us is whom we serve. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. A person who seeks people's approval is controlled by people, the people that they want to please. Uh, whatever it is, what, how do you make your decisions? What controls you? Ask, how do I make that decision to spend my time? Uh, the, the money and limited energy that I have. For the majority of people in this city, well, it's the, the familiar things, the lure of power and money and status and love. For many, I think it's our children. It's our family, right? That's become the ultimate thing. It's a good thing that we make the ultimate thing. For some of us, it, it's not those external things. It's the idols of ourselves, we make decisions based on what brings me most comfort. And actually, oftentimes I think entertainment is an idol in this city and many other places. What brings me most entertainment? What entertains me the most? Throw away the gods of the city, the gods of our peers, God of our family, gods of our hearts, God of ourselves. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And Joshua said, regardless of what the Israelites will choose, he will choose to serve God. 
And although that day Israelites decided to serve God, you might be the only one serving God in your workplace, in your family. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to go back and swim against the currents of the culture? Watch for the drift. And I know that we have many uh, families and parents here. We must raise our children to serve the Lord. I mean, some people say, well, I don't want to force anything down uh, 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 our children's throat. Well, you know, you raise your children to eat broccoli, right? Because it's good for them. You raise your children to, uh, um, to clear the rice bowl so that your, your, the, their future spouses will not have pimply faces. Um, and it looks like you, you all um, ate your rice bowls in the, in the past. Um, anyway, we shouldn't, we shouldn't force Christianity down on our children's throat. But at the same time, we must point our children to choose Christ by being examples, by talking to them, by helping them to, to serve Christ with all faithfulness. You can almost picture the Israelites on that day shouting with the new sense of resolve, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Far be it from us to, for, to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. We will serve the Lord because he is our God. But look at Joshua's response in verse 19. His response is, you can't. You cannot serve the Lord. You are not able to serve the Lord. What? I mean, Joshua, what do you mean? You just t- told us to serve the Lord, and we answered that we will serve the Lord, and now you're telling us you can't, you can't do it. What do you want? And people respond then again in verse 21. We will serve the Lord. And Joshua throws cold water on that again. He says, actually, then he goes on to say, you are just being witnesses against yourselves, he says. Yet again, in verse 24, Israelites shout out, we will serve the Lord. Some commentators think that Joshua is trying to just get them to think about what they're saying, to, 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 to know the seriousness of what they are saying, to serving God with all of their hearts. Maybe. I don't think Joshua is just simply challenging them to think about what they're committing themselves to, although I think it is that. But I think Joshua is prophesying about what will happen, that they won't be able to serve the Lord their God. If you turn to the next page in the book of Judges, chapter 2, you will see what happens. Israelites fall away. Within a generation, they start worshiping Baal and other gods of that land. They abandon God. They don't serve the Lord, just as we aren't able to serve the Lord with all our hearts. Don't we live in between these two statements, our resolve to serve the Lord? We will serve the Lord. But then, as we try, we also come across, well, I can't. I'm not able. I'm not able to choose God every day in all the decisions that I make. We're unable. And part of that is just the culture in which that we live. Work that takes us away on Sunday mornings. The people around us who are obsessed with money or schooling or how attractive our, our boyfriends and girlfriends are, how much money people make. We get swept up and we drift along with the culture and we forget to regard the world with, from God's perspective. And we can't just blame the culture, though, because we are often overcome by our own sinfulness. 
our sinfulness, deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life, pride, lust, anger often overtake me. And often when I sin, I do it fully knowing that this is, I'm going against God's will. And it's not just that. The Bible tells us that there's a whole spiritual world out there that opposes God, that is influencing us and the world around us. And if you don't feel the difficulty of obeying God full-heartedly, dare I say, it might actually be because you're not fighting hard enough. You're not trying hard enough to obey God because it's only when you fight against Mike Tyson you will feel the power of his punch. If you're friends with Mike, you'll never know how strong his punches are. It's those who are trying to be generous, who realize how greedy we are. It's those who fight against materialism, who will see very quickly how materialistic this world is. It's those who fight against lust in our hearts, who who find the strength of our lust sometimes unbearable. It's those who are trying very hard to forgive who have wronged them who realize the enormity of the offense or the red hot uh, hotness of our anger. And sometimes, as we fight against sin, sin will make us drift away. You are not able to serve the Lord. He is holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellions and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve other gods, He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you. What a terrifying statement. So friends, run to Christ. You see, book of Joshua, as great as it has been, right? The end of Joshua points us towards a need for our Savior, need for something else other than ourselves to save us. Because God is holy and jealous. He cannot just forgive. He cannot just move on. He wouldn't be just if he did that. So in the Old Testament, he provided a way out, right? A way for the Israelites to receive forgiveness of sins. As they come and approach the temple, something dies on their behalf. They offer sacrifice for their sins to remind themselves in order to have the holy God in their midst, something needs to die for them. And in due time, God sent Jesus Christ. He focused his righteous anger of all the things, for all the things that we have done, and focused it on just him. He bore God's wrath for us that we might have life in him, that we might be in relationship with this holy God. You will sin. But don't make that drift you away from God. When you sin, run even more to Christ. Barney is almost 14 months. Now, it's really fun playing with him. He's uh, walking around now. uh, And uh, his favorite game right now is peekaboo. I, I don't know why it's fun. It's, uh, he, he seems to really enjoy it. The other day, I was uh, hiding, and I was going boo, peekaboo kind of thing, uh, in different places. And it's just really cute. You know, I would hide, and then I would peek, uh, 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 poke my head out, and I'd go boo, and he starts giggling. So I ran to another room, I hid, and he would just sort of come near me. And I go, boo, and he starts giggling uncontrollably. It just made me really happy. So I ran to my bedroom, I hid behind the bed, and he was crawling uh, towards me. I said, boo, and this time he didn't giggle. 
He got scared. <laughs> he started to cry. But do you know what he did? After he started to cry, he crawled towards me, right? And he clung to my feet because he knows that even though I scared him, he also knows that I'm his dad, <laughs> that if he comes to me, I'll pick him up. I'll comfort him and I'll love him. I'll tell him that everything is okay. Friends, God is holy and jealous God, but he's also our father. He loves us. He sent his son to us. And that's what he wants us to do, to come to him and cling to him, to drift towards him. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Recall Christ's grace, what he has done for you in Christ, what he is doing now, what he will do in the future. Choose him. Not because you have to, but because God is so good and you want to respond to that amazing grace. And when you sin, don't drift away. Run towards him. Cling to him. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this book that reminds us of your holiness that reminds us of your grace, that reminds us that you are a faithful God who fulfills your promises, that reminds us that you will be with us. And Lord, help us to be people of that grace, people who are always mindful of the amazing grace that we have received in your Son, Jesus Christ. And help us to turn to you, cling to you, and choose you today and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name.